0: Our scripture reading, we turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. <coughs> Let me take note, especially as we read this chapter of reference to reconciliation and our need to be reconciled to God and that we who were sometime alienated and enemies in our mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. We read Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth, or things in heaven. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, Grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So far we read from the, from the scriptures this morning. And what we just read and the rest of scripture are the basis for the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 5. There we read. Since then, by the righteous judgment of God, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment. Is there no way by which we may escape that punishment and be again received into favor? God will have his justice satisfied. And therefore, we must make this full satisfaction either by ourselves or by another Can we ourselves then make this satisfaction? By no means. But on the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Can there be found anywhere one who is a mere creature able to satisfy for us? None. For first, God will not punish any other creature for the sin which man hath committed. And further, No mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin, so as to deliver others from it. What sort of a mediator and deliverer then must we seek for? For one who is very man and perfectly righteous, and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is also very God. Beloved, in our Lord Jesus Christ, this Lord's Day, and also this first chapter of Colossians speaks to us of the, the need for us to be reconciled to God. The Lord's Day speaks about us needing to be again received into favor, that we desire to escape punishment and to again be received into favor. And Colossians 1 speaks of the fact that we were sometimes alienated. We were enemies in our mind by wicked works, so we read. Enemies. Alienated. We needed to be reconciled to our God. And the good news of the gospel. Is that Christ has reconciled us to God. He has made peace. Through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. And then verse 21. Now have he reconciled the body of his flesh through death. This chapter in this Lord's Day speak of the, the comfort of knowing we've been reconciled to our God. Some, of course, remain enemies. When it speaks here about him reconciling all things unto himself, this passage is not speaking universal salvation. That all human beings are you know, saved in Jesus Christ. That is not the teaching of scripture. Many remain en- enemies. And many will suffer everlastingly. Many there are that do not sincerely repent. And they continue on in their sin. And everlastingly they will suffer. Yet Christ has come and has reconciled us to God. There are those who sometimes were alienated and enemies, but who now have been reconciled to our God. And we have peace with God. Have peace with God. You think of the opposite. Going through each day and not having peace with God. God, by his grace, works in his people. faith, brings them to repentance, works in them so they come to God and confess their sin and seek forgiveness. And God comforts them. And they have peace with God having peace with God, those who have peace with God commune with God and they commune with one another. There are many that speak about peace. There are many that talk about there being peace among men and that were the thought that maybe someday it will happen when on earth there will really be peace among men. Among those that walk contrary to what God says, there, there will be no peace. But there are those who do have peace with God, by the grace of God. And to have peace with God and peace peace in our homes, peace in our marriages, to have peace in our families, To have that wonderful blessing of peace. Sometimes we have somebody that's closely related to us that's walking in a sin. And that is very, very difficult indeed. Even in such times, the Lord is with us and the Lord will guide us and will comfort us and continues to bless us and bless us in our generations. and We look to him for that grace. Today, this morning, with this Lord's Day, this Lord's Day kind of leads into the subject of deliverance. The second part on man's deliverance. Our mind is directed to how Christ has reconciled us to God, We consider first of all the need that we have to be reconciled and then the reconciliation who could reconcile us and the fact that Christ has that God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and then lastly we look at it from the viewpoint of friendship that we do have friendship with God and we have friendship with his people. The need to be reconciled. We consider, first of all, the need. Secondly, the reconciliation. And thirdly, the friendship. You were sometime alienated and enemies. Now that said to you and to me. What was written here to the Colossians that it is the case that we were sometimes alienated we were enemies all under the curse all in in Adam died we're guilty for the sin of Adam Adam represented us as our head we are born with a sinful nature and by nature, having a nature that, we're in, that is in bondage. Those that are cursed, those that are cursed are alienated from God. Those who are cursed are in bondage. Their will is dead, rebellious. And they have a carnal mind. This passage speaks of us being enemies in your mind by wicked works. Another passage that makes a reference to the mind is Romans 8 verse 7 that says the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Carnal mind, enmity against God. We were enemies in our mind. And there are, of course, those who remain cursed. There are those that point to the verse here about reconciling all things unto himself and stressing the idea that there's a reconciling of all things. And, well, it is a point to be stressed, but it is also to be understood what that means. And it is to be understood that that does not mean That all will be saved nor do scriptures teach that it will be the case that the majority of human beings will be many many remain in bondage 2 Peter 2 14 speaks of those who have eyes full of adultery full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way, and so on. And Jesus spoke about how at the judgment... He will say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Depart, ye cursed. God is saving a people from all nations. all the different nations of the world, God saves the people in Jesus Christ who is their head. We know the scriptures do not teach that all human beings will be saved. The ones that are saved were chosen unconditionally. They were given to Christ. Christ died for them. Now this idea of reconciliation, When it speaks in this passage about how we were enemies and now we have reconciled, the idea of reconciliation, you have those that were friends. At a time, they were friends. And then something has has happened. There's been sin. And now they don't have that communion as they did. There isn't that communion as there was before. Because a sin has taken place. And reconciliation is when that sin, when it's talking here of reconciliation, it speaks of the fact that that sin which was committed, that sin must be punished. It's not the case that God would allow the sin to be unpunished. That was treated in the previous Lord's Day. Will he suffer such obedience, disobedience, or rebellion to go unpunished? No. His justice must be satisfied. The sin is punished. The sin is, will, must be punished. There must be satisfaction. There must be one who will suffer that punishment, who will sustain the wrath of God, satisfy God's justice, that we may be reconciled to God, and then again, there would be that friendship. And when we talk about the fact in this case that there was friendship, well, that's brought out from the viewpoint that man was created good, he bore the image of God, but then man fell into sin now he's in need of someone to reconcile him. If he's going to escape punishment and again be received into favor, We would need one who would appease God's wrath, who would deliver us from the bondage of sin, who would deliver us from The wrath of God who would obtain for us God's favor. Now that's an important phrase. We see that in Lord's Day 15. We needed someone who would obtain for us God's favor. When we talk about God's grace, we speak of his favor. And many speak of God's grace, that God gives his grace to all human beings, which would mean he shows favor. Favor to all human beings, which would mean then that Christ obtained the favor of God for all human beings, which would mean he died for all human beings. Important to see that connection. There has been those that have denied that a teaching of a common grace goes with universal atonement, goes with the idea that Christ died for all human beings. But it has been pointed out that it would have to be the case. If it's the case that God's showing favor to all human beings, it must be that Christ obtained the favor of God for all human beings. And yet that's not that's not the case. He didn't die for all human beings. But it is important for us now, looking at it from the viewpoint of the fact that we needed one who would obtain for us God's favor. Who would obtain for us the quickening spirit who would quicken us and raise us from the dead and that we'd be delivered from bondage. To do that, satisfaction is necessary, and that is stressed in the Lord's day. God will have his justice be satisfied. In the Old Testament, that was set forth in the. pictured in those Old Testament sacrifices. But the fact that those Old Testament sacrifices had to be repeated over and over again brought out that it was not possible that the blood of animals. <laughs> Those animals that they would offer would take away sin. There needed to be the coming of the one who would offer the one perfect sacrifice. We deserve temporal and eternal punishment. You know, that's referred to in the Heidelberg. It's also referred to in the canons in the second head article 1 and there it words it that what that God's the punishment is not only temporal it's not only things that happen in this life as if someone might think well i think you know sin is punished just in this life and it says it will be punished not only with temporal not only with what happens in this life but with eternal punishment in body and soul which we cannot escape unless satisfaction be made to the justice of God we needed one who would sustain God's wrath who would bear the wrath of God and who would love God perfectly bearing God's wrath loving God perfectly one whose blood would be shed having made peace through the blood of his cross we needed someone who would offer that perfect sacrifice whose blood would be shed and then the question is could do that? Now, of course, we know that Christ did. This Lord's Day is designed to bring out to us why did he have to be a man? Why did he have to be righteous? And Why did he have to be God? And then it's good for us to take note that man fell and when he fell, he needed God to take upon himself the human nature to save him. And that was God's plan. First it asks, for there to be this reconciliation, can we make that satisfaction ourselves? And the answer is, no, we, we can't. Our guilt increases. Daily we increase our debt. Think of the fact that we have we have a sinful nature. Think of our sinful thoughts, words, and actions. There's also a communal guilt. Well, we think of how, you know, for example, when we read in the scripture of how Achan took what he was not supposed to, and God said that Israel had sinned. And there's also that communal guilt which increases. We daily increase our debt, and we have no ability to pay, nor the desire. And a promise of future obedience is not enough. Now, that's that argument is an argument that young children will sometimes use. That if they've done something that is wrong, and they're thinking they're going to get spanked, that they'll make a promise never to do it again. And thinking, now, if I promise never to do it again, if I promise to do what I'm supposed to do, then there, there should be no spanking. Well, what about what already happened? And of course, you know, there needs, to be, there needs to be discipline. When we talk about our sin now, our sin needed to be punished. Even if we could say, we'll stop sinning and we won't sin anymore, which of course is impossible. But even if it was possible, that we could actually stop at this moment, we would still deserve to be punished for everything that before that. There's no way that we can make satisfaction. And then the question is asked, could a different creature satisfy for us? And then the answer is no, a man had sinned. God won't punish any other creature for the sin that man had committed. It must be a man, not an angel, not an animal. It must be be a man. And of course, man also has no right to suggest a substitute. He can't bring something else and say, Can I bring this as a substitute? And, Of course, we don't have anything that isn't God's. The thought that we could make us, we could satisfy by bringing some gold, silver. Yet there are those that kind of think that way. They think they can continue to walk in sin, and they really reject Christ. They don't listen to what Christ says, but they're going to put they're going to put some money in. Or they're outwardly going to do something as if that's going to somehow satisfy, as, as if that's going to atone. Man cannot man cannot satisfy, nor can he nor can other, some other creature be a, be a substitute. And also it can't be a mere creature. It must be someone that can sustain God's wrath. No mere creature could sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin so as to deliver others from it. No mere creature could do that. To sustain God's wrath, to bear the wrath of God, to deliver us, We needed someone who would deliver us, someone who could quicken us and deliver us from bondage. We needed someone who was very man, who was perfectly righteous, and yet more powerful than all creatures, someone who was very God. Now, two things to take note about that. One is that God planned it that way. It isn't by chance that when we fell, now we needed God to take upon himself the human nature to save us. That didn't happen by chance, that it just so happened that when we fell, the, only, the situation was such that the only way we could be reconciled was for the incarnation, for there to be the incarnation. The word was taking upon himself, took upon himself the human nature. It was God's plan all along that man would fall and that Christ would come Raises to a higher life, to reconcile us to God and raise us to a higher life than what Adam had before the fall. The second point to take note is that man fell and needed a redeemer, and it was impossible for man to bring that about. We need a mediator. To reconcile us to God, and he's got to be perfectly righteous. How's that going to happen? You know, you think of explaining this in the old dispensation to children. If one understood, if you think of one understanding this in the old dispensation, if someone understands this and says, well, the mediator we need has to be perfectly righteous. The deliverer that God has promised us is going to have to be perfectly righteous. And if the child said, "Well, how's that going to happen?" Because we're all sinners and every time we have a there's a child, that child's a sinner too. So how's that going to happen? And that leads to the subject of the virgin birth. The fact that the one that was born was the the son of God the second person of the trinity that took upon himself the human nature we needed God to save us and Christ has God has reconciled us now hath he reconciled and the body of his flesh through death. Christ felt the punishment that our sins had merited. That's a phrase in the 21st article of the Belgic Confession. We all know that Christ died for us. The Belgic Confession brings out with that phrase that it's good for us to remember he felt the punishment that our sins merited. What did our sins what did we merit? Punishment. And Christ felt it. He took on him the curse came a curse for us. He suffered in our place as our head that he might reconcile us to God. And so the answer to our question in this Lord's day. What was that question again? Since by the righteous judgment of God we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, is there no way by which we may escape that punishment and be again received into favor? And notice, we don't just mention escaping punishment. It isn't that our mind is only on that. that We, we just don't want that there to be any punishment. We just want to escape that. But the question expresses a desire that we might be again received into favor. And this Lord's Day is designed to bring out why it is that we needed the Son of God Take upon himself our flesh and deliver us to satisfy the demands of God's justice. Reconcile us to God and that he did. And what a comfort that we have knowing he has made peace. He has made peace through the blood of his cross. And in Lord's Day 19, we say we look forward to the coming of Christ, the one whose coming has removed all curse from us. From us. He's removed all curse. And in Revelation 22, verse 3, we read of there being no more curse. There are those that will suffer everlastingly and it's only by the grace of God that we've been saved you've been reconciled you have peace with God you and me who were sometime alienated and enemies we enjoy friendship with God we really do All for whom Christ died are certainly saved. And that's another point about the cross. When people say he died for all human beings, they say, well, then that would mean that all human beings are saved. Because he saved everyone he laid down his life for. He laid down his life for his sheep, and all of his sheep are certainly saved. He obtained eternal redemption for us by his one sacrifice. He's satisfied. He did enough. That idea of satisfied, he did enough. There's no condition. And all the ones for whom he died are certainly, certainly saved. We have peace. We have friendship. We're united also with the angels. When it says by him to reconcile all things unto himself, I say whether they be things in earth or also or things in heaven. You think of the joy that we have, that we along with the angels, together we praise and exalt the name of our God. And as was mentioned earlier. We, in Jesus Christ, have a higher life. And one thing that can be pointed out with regard to that, Christ, we have this, we have heavenly, everlasting life. Everlasting, that we will never sin. Where Adam, though he was created good, righteous and holy yet it was the case that it was possible for him to sin and he did in Christ we're not able to sin we'll never die forever we will have fellowship with God and now it's good for us to apply that also to fellowship with one another that we who have covenant friendship with God we also have that fellowship together those who, to, who, who have fellowship with God also are to commune and have fellowship and friendship with one another with all the members of the body of Christ and that's an important point if we together have been saved, if we are reconciled to God, Christ has made peace, well, we are, we're together to have fellowship and communion with the other members. And we're to look for other members in the body of Christ that may feel like, I don't know if people want it, talk with me. I don't know how interested people are in communing with me. If I was to to leave and, and not really fellowship people, I don't know if people would be that concerned. It's important for us to show the different saints that we do want to commune with this one and that one. With all the different members. And for us to show, express that in in the way we commune with one another. And it's also true that we, each one of us, should look at what our calling is in the body. Someone may say, I don't know if others want to fellowship with me, but that one should also look at it from the viewpoint of how we're to use our gifts for the advantage of the other members. What can I do? To encourage another member in the body of Christ, to use our gifts for the advantage of the others, and to fellowship together. And then we think, then reply that now to fellowship in in the home. On this day, we think of the our mind when we talk about. The communion in the home, between parents and children, having friendships with our children, children being friends with one another. You think of your fellow family members as your friends. My children, do you view your mother as your friend? Your dear friend and your father as your friend. And then also parents viewing their children as their friends. And then in our conversation, showing that we're friends. Expressing our love for one another and in our thinking of the needs of other. What can I do to assist, to encourage Other members of the family. We've been reconciled to God. We really have friendship with God. And together we're members of the same body. And the covenant, as you know, is a relationship of friendship. And to have friendship in our home. Where we talk to one another express our love listening to what's going on in one another's lives children showing their love for their parents thinking of, talking to them about what's going on in their parents life seeking to help them looking and seeing when, when, they, when there's a way they could help out and delighting to do that and expressing appreciation thankfulness, expressing thankfulness also also to our God to have covenant fellowship, covenant fellowship in our homes. And of course we know there are times when there's someone that's walking in a way they ought not. And how difficult that is when we have somebody in the family that's walking in a way they ought not. And then we do, together, try to bring someone to repentance. Oftentimes in family life there is repentance. Many times, we, we sin against one another. And there are many times that there are apologies and, and that there is forgiveness expressed. That happens in marriage. That happens in families. That one is offended. And another one comes and apologizes. And the other one says that they forgive that person. And then they show that they really have forgiven. There's sometimes when a person doesn't turn. And they don't say they're sorry. And they continue on walking the wrong way. Well, we continue to try to talk to them about what they're doing. Even if it may be the case that some of them don't turn, we who come to God and confess our own sin and look to God for forgiveness, God comforts us that we have peace with God we have peace with God we have communion with God we have communion with God's people and when we know other brothers and sisters going through such a difficult time and as we express to them our love and encouragement as brothers and sisters in Christ That such a person in a family situation like that as difficult as it is is so thankful for the communion they do have with God and the communion they have with the saints And that when we talk about our family we think of all our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ Who have been redeemed, and who've been saved by the grace of God. And together we talk about the hope that we have. This chapter, as you read through this chapter, that is something that comes out in this chapter. there's a reference to the the hope for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Paul said, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus of the love which ye have to all the saints, all the saints. And then speaks of the hope the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Which you've heard about. Which you've heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is coming to you. The hope that is laid up for us. Oh how thankful. We should express our thankfulness to our God that we've been reconciled, that we have a Redeemer. The hope that we have laid up for us that we'll dwell with God. No more curse. As we continue our sojourn here, may we commune together. We do commune together. We do have fellowship together. And we often thank God for that. May we continue to express more so express our appreciation to one another and show friendship in our homes communing together and in the church of Jesus Christ and express our thankfulness to our God for reconciling us to him by the death of his son. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God and our Father, we give thee thanks, O Lord, for the fellowship that we enjoy with thee and with one another. Lord, grant us the grace to show our thankfulness as we love the other members of the body of Christ, as we love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, grant us grace to encourage one another to thank and show our appreciation for one another. We're so thankful to be members of the body of Christ. Our salvation is all of thee, O Lord. May we glorify thee and be strengthened and remain faithful in these last days. Bless and strengthen all thy saints, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.